Hi, it's Nick here from the Talk and Power podcast. We are proud to announce Auto One as our brand partner for the podcast. Auto One, it's the one. You can now order online with click and collect or get your order shipped. Head to www.autoone.com.au. Like us at the podcast, Auto One has a passion for cars and all things automotive. They understand your love of cars too. With great prices and the biggest brands you know and trust, they are sure to be able to help you with your project, whether it be replacing your wiper blades, fitting out your four-wheel drive with the latest gear, or rebuilding your dad's old HQ Holden. Not sure on how to install those spotlights? Don't panic. Just head to the website and click on the do-it-yourself videos and Rico will talk you through the process. From Auto One in Albany up to Auto One in Caratha, across to Auto One in Townsville, down to Auto One in Hobart and over 50 stores in between. Auto One has a retail store nearby with expert advice and the stock on hand. Auto One is committed to bringing you the brands you know and trust at great prices. Coupled with the team's knowledge and experience, Auto One, it's the one. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. All right, welcome to episode 90 of the Talk and Power podcast, and I'm joined by Todd Brinkworth, and I'm Nick DeTrimbury. Todd, how are you? Not too bad, Nick. How about yourself? Oh, I'm really well. Going very well, Todd. Hey, we've got an interview coming up tonight, another one. We're catching up with a former drag racer, 2002-2003 Super Sedan champion, Greg Carter. He'll be joining us. He now... Uh, runs Pro Auto Performance, and uh, we're catching up with him very shortly in the fir- in the second segment, second and third segment. So stay tuned for that. Don't go anywhere. It's a really interesting chat. I haven't caught up with Greg for a while, so it was great to catch up with him. Excellent. Hey, Todd, we have to shout out to our new brand partner, Auto One. It's the one. So we're really happy to have Auto One on board now. If you are listening to this podcast or you will need to go to Facebook and you'll find the official post for episode 90, share that post, comment on that post and like that post. You've got to do all three things, all three things. Uh, yep. You've got to like the Facebook post, share it and comment on it and you'll go in the running to win a $50 gift card from Auto One, from our friends at Auto One. So we're really looking forward to that. And we will announce the winner next episode in episode 91, who takes home this $50 gift card. So thanks to Auto One for getting on board. Uh, it's the one. It is, um, I was actually spent a bit of money at Auto One this week. So, Well, there you go. That's good. It's working already. <laughs> so yeah, we really appreciate their time and coming on board and, um, we're really happy to have them with us. Now, speaking of subscriber, the prize pool, we gave away all that loot uh, on Friday. Um, we caught up with the winner. 
We posted that on Facebook on the weekend. So congratulations to Robert Harvey of Monster Talk. He took home all of the prizes. Uh, we'd just really like to thank all Fast Talk Converters, Benzene Detailing, Sylvan Australia uh, for their donations. And uh, it was great to catch up. I caught up with Rob on Saturday. He's quite busy at the moment. Uh, it's actually flat out where his words he was open all day Saturday, just getting some work in. So he's taken home all those prizes. So thanks, Rob. And thanks to uh, Nicole and Simon at Allfast and Johnny at Benzene and to the team at Sylvan Australia. Anyway, Todd, what, what have you been up to anyway? Just tell us a bit about what you've been up to recently. Um, I was going to say not much, but um, I guess sort of planning some stuff for us to do, if that makes yep. sense. Yep. Um, I'm going to the, the target word, you know, hmm. um, we're heading off down South soon, which, yeah. And I'm just been planning a few things around that. Um, as for the Evo, which we can well see in the background, if you're watching online, um, been driving it sort of as a daily almost at the moment. I can't see myself doing any events till later in the year. Yep. Purely just cause I don't actually have the time to pull it off the road. If that makes yeah, okay. sense. Yep. So, yeah, and that's been about it, to tell you the truth. So, that's the problem. I mean, at the end of the day, um, when you take a car off the road, um, or to do that work, it's a big commitment. In you've you got to prepare yourself to have the car off the road for you know X amount of time. And if you're not, yeah, if you're not, um, if you're unable to do that, then that, that can be quite difficult, can't it, Todd? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm banking on it being off the road for probably a month once I get everything lined up. Mm. Um, but the problem is, as I said, I'm sort of working a different job now and I've actually been using it to commute to work because, believe it or not, it's actually pretty easy to commute to on certain days of the week. And, uh, yeah, I don't want to run the risk of having to pull it off the road and having no no spare car at the moment is a problem. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, but we'll get there. So, no, we'll that's fair enough. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And we're looking forward to Targa Southwest as well. We're looking forward to that heading yeah. down there. And uh, that'll be a big, big day for us. And uh, yeah. what's a big weekend for you. I'm just going to be down there for the Saturday. And, um, but no, looking forward to it. Can't wait. So, yeah, no, it's the so. 8th of August. That's right. Yep. I'm wrong. <laughs> no, okay. Cool. No, the 8th of August. Yep. 8th of August. All right. No worries. Now, Formula One. We need to touch on Formula One. And I've written in the notes. Have I mentioned Oscar Piastri? Have I said that name before? Oh, you've said that name before. Yeah, I think so. I think on the last episode, I said, Google it, search for it. Look, whatever you do, just follow this guy. He is the next name we're going to see from Australia in Formula One. I have absolutely yeah. no doubt. He is making some massive inroads into, um, well, the Formula 3 championship. He's now leading the championship. He got two second places on the on the weekend in Hungary. One of them was in the wet too. So he is a Melbourne young man and he is going places. So if you don't know about Oscar Piastri, please, for goodness sake, Google it, look him up, follow his Facebook page, his social media. He's only a young guy, so I don't know if he has someone doing it for him or he does it himself, but whatever, get on board. If I haven't mentioned it before, I know I have. I'm being yeah. um, sarcastic. Hey, um, look, I just want to touch base about Formula One. It was a 
the race itself was probably the most boring we've had. I was going to say, well, yeah, that wouldn't be too hard. We've only had three races, but yeah, Lewis Hamilton basically lapped the entire field except for second place and third place. And I'm not sure about fourth, but he lapped. I know for a fact he lapped everyone from five down. So, um, that hey. aside, oh, sorry, yeah. you were going to say something. No, I was say he could have stayed home and still won it. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and There's a bit of truth to that. Yeah, I was about to add, I was thinking about it in the car today on the way home, actually. I'm like, much respect to Lewis because he's that good. But then also, I don't know, go race BMXs or something, Lewis. Like, let someone else win. No, no, I think <laughs> he's, 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 he's putting the target on his back and I'm, I'm hoping that someone, someone can uh, rise to the challenge. But so far, we haven't really seen anyone. I, was, I did make a note in the, the, in the notes here. Racing point, car or driver? And um, I put a question mark there, and I said, I'm, "I'm this is as respectful as I possibly can be to Lance Stroll and uh, Sergio Perez. I, I don't, they're okay drivers, but mm. they qualified second, uh, sorry, third and fourth. Um, racing points have come a long way in the in the off season. Um, yeah. I really, you know, question is it. Is it car or driver? And I think in this case, it's car. I don't know. Um, I think Red Bull and and uh, Ferrari were certainly on notice now. Yeah. No, there's definitely a lot of people out there where it's the car. Mm. I'm like, you know, even previous years, at least you had three or four drivers that it was the driver and the car. Yeah. This year, it's the car. And to be fair, like, I'm going to say his name again, Lewis, they keep handing him such a good car, mm. so he keeps being a good driver, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, chuck him in a, I don't know, a Toro Rosso, see how he goes. I don't know what happened, but I'd just be interested, yeah. you know, put some pressure yeah. on him. So, Yeah. Yeah, look, anyway, I mean, things, even, I've made a few notes here about Formula One. I don't really want to particularly talk about the race per se, because there wasn't much that happened. But Alex Albon as well, um, we heard some commentary during the week that George Russell, a good friend of his, is in the Williams car. He feels that Red Bull have, um, have made him look like an idiot. And I don't know, I don't, he struggled. He's not a good backup for Max Verstappen at the moment, I must say. But when they do silly things like drying the track underneath him and just put the whole, the poor guy had a question mark or a cloud hanging over his head the whole race because he was looking down the barrel of some sort of uh, infringement because they dried the track underneath the car. Yeah. So on the start line, which look, I take my hat off to Red Bull for, for doing it, but is it really in the spirit of the sport? I mean, do we see do we see all the teams do it? No. Is it is it really? Do you really need to dry that eight square meters of bitumen underneath the car? I know he'll get a better launch from it, but these cars have anti stall now. Yeah. I don't know. It'll stop him from um, obviously uh, spinning the wheels, but I don't know. I just I, I just I think it's silly doing something yeah. like that, bringing attention to yourself and then putting pressure on the guy 
I mean, at the end of the day, it wasn't his fault. It's not a call that he made. But, yeah, I, I didn't think it looked that great. And I don't think it's in the spirit of the sport. And then on top of that, we had Max Verstappen spin on en route to the start line. So they come out of the pit and on his way there, he's hit the wall. They were lucky to get that car fixed. They literally got it fixed moments before I had to come down off the jacks and start the race. And he went on to come second to, to Lewis. So yeah, I thought it was a, a great... I thought it was a great drive from Max Verstappen and he's doing, he's doing Red Bull. He's doing wonders for Red Bull. Cause I don't think they're really a second car at the moment, but anyway, he's, he's gone quite well for them. And Bottas, do you think he, I don't know if you've seen the replay. Do you think he jumped, jumped the start? I didn't watch much of it at all. Tell you the truth. Yeah. I watched a bit of the highlights and yeah, I must admit, I'm more excited at the moment about some of the off field antics. I know that sounds really bad. Yeah. Uh, the carrying on off field is almost more entertaining than on field. Mm, but yeah. anyway, <laughs> anyway, so you look at when it was all said and done, Lewis Hamilton went on to win the, the um, Hungarian Grand Prix and uh, they got a week off. Now they've had raced three weeks in a row. They got a week off and then it's double header in Silverstone. Yeah. So um, I'm actually looking forward to that. Silverstone is probably one of my favorite tracks. Ferrari have gone reasonably well there, not not uh, last year, but they have done the year before. Have gone reasonably well there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they can how they go this year. Anyway, at Silverstone, we've got the double header coming up. Yeah. Hey Todd, I think we should take a break here. We've got Greg Carter coming on, so we'll take a break. We'll catch up with Greg, and we'll be back with more right after this. The Auto One Customer Loyalty Program, the Auto One Club, has been designed to provide privileges to loyal customers. Head on over to www.autoone.com.au and click on the club membership tab or alternatively head into your local Auto One store and ask about the benefits that come with being a loyal Auto One Club member. While you're in the store, be sure to check out Auto One's extensive range of impact automotive garage tools floor mats and coolant. The Impact Automotive range offers quality products at affordable prices. From a three-ton heavy-duty trolley jack to an adjustable mechanic seat, the Impact Automotive range has a garage tool that'll suit your needs. The range has also well over 20 different types of floor and boot mats to suit your ride. They come in rubber or fabric with a PVC backing to stop slipping. Also in the range is an extensive choice of coolant. Whether it be pre-mixed or concentrate, the long life range of red and green Impact Automotive coolant is bound to have a product that suits your needs. To view the full range of Impact Automotive products, head on over to www.auto1.com.au or visit one of their stores. Auto One is committed to bringing you the brands you know and trust at great prices. Coupled with their team's knowledge and experience, Auto One, it's the one. All right, welcome back to the Talking Power podcast. We are with Greg Carter. Thanks for joining us, Greg. It's great to have you here. Yeah, thanks a lot for inviting us on, Nick. Um, yeah, looking forward to having a chat. No, no, we, um, you've been on my list for some time now and uh, there was a post on Facebook the other day that you were tagged in. I said, you know what, I'm going to reach out to Greg. So, Greg, look, we've known each other for, for a long time. We, we sat at Bosma together back in, the, back in the early 2000s. You were pretty instrumental there. We'll talk about Bosma a little bit later, but tell us, how, how did you get 
even before drag racing, tell us your interest in cars. What were the love affair of cars was like back then? Yeah, well, it's interesting when I look back that, you know, how early it started. It actually started before cars. You know, hotting up my push bike, you know, <laughs> cutting the back frame down and putting a smaller wheel on it and heading down to the speedway for skid, skid kids um, on an early Friday afternoon. But now, look, my first car was a um, Holden HD panel van. Yep. Um, which I did up. Um, was really proud of myself because I was able to uh, spin the belt wheels in second gear on the three on the tree. Um, uh, then I got actually got involved in rally racing for a little while there. I had a Datsun 1600 uh, with a 180B triple S motor in it. Um, and I remember back when I was 21 years old living in Kewdale and on the front lawn, I had the panel van, the rally car, and a uh, LX SLR 5000. So, wow. Yeah. So I think my interest in cars started pretty early. Yeah. No, fair enough. So it's always good to know where people's, you know, their love affair for their cars come from. So that's always our, I guess, our opening question. I guess, well, let's just fast forward to 1997. You debut in Super Street at Ravenswood. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, look, an interesting story how all that came about. Um, I just joined Home Buyers Centre after oh, 15 odd years at Collier Homes. Um, and uh, in the, my first week at Home Buyers, the guy who was doing all the concrete work for the business uh, popped in to see me, a guy named Cosanino. Um, we got on pretty well and so you drop in every week and we just have a bit of a chat. And one day he said to me, I'm going to build a drag car. And I said, oh, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> he said, would you like to drive it for me? And I've gone, sure, but, you know, if you're going to build a drag car, well, why wouldn't you drive it? He said, oh, I used to race back when I was in Sydney and <clears throat> I've promised my mum <clears throat> that I'd never get behind the wheel of a race car again. So how about you having a crack? I didn't think much more of it until, oh, about a month or so later, he rocks up drops in and comes into my office and says, hey, come out the front of the car park. He says, why? He says, I've got the new drag car there. I go out the front and he's got a, um, a, a registered Alex SS Tirana hatch. Wow. Um, oh, that's pretty sweet. And anyway, over the next few weeks, I didn't even know when the drag racing, racing season started then. I mean, I'd been to the drags many times, but I'd never actually set foot on the track. Yeah. Anyway, um, he's put a 350 Chev in it and a two-speed and it's in this old shed we had down in Rockingham and we went down to Ravenswood, yeah, 1997, first meeting. Didn't know what I was doing really. Mm. Um, but seemed to have a bit of a knack for it and actually went through to the final um, and went runner-up because I didn't know that you could break out. <laughs> I didn't know you could go too quick. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's where it all started. That's incredible, actually. So, well, tell us then the transition from that car you, you went into, in my mind, the car that you're probably most famous for, the, the super sedan Tirana, the, the home buyer center Tirana. Tell us how that, that car came to be. And you still got that car? Yeah, I, I have. I have. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's a, yeah, look, it's a beautiful car. And in, really, in, in, in my opinion, probably one of the nicest Tiranas on a drag strip anywhere in Australia. Mm. But how that came about, um, Cos had been speaking with Wayne Keyes, and I think at that stage, Keyes was building his BMW. Yep. Um, and 
Wayne had this Tirana at his place up in the hills, uh, red one that he used to race in Supergas. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cos bought that, and um, that's that was the start of it. Um, we then took it back to his shed and you know, put a three fifty in it and a two speed and. Yeah. Just started our way into, into you know, we, we that was stepping up the big time for us and going from yeah. Super Street to Super Sedan, yeah, and you could have a delay box and all those sorts of things. Yeah. No, certainly. So, well, then talking of Super Sedan, let's let's have a quick chat about that. You you actually won the WA Super Sedan Championship 0203, came third the season after. I'm just going to go through some of your competitors here. Daniel Gregorini, Graham Kennedy, Shane Wind, Al McClure, Brenton Baxter, Colin Mortimer. I mean, these are all some of the most reputable names in drag racing. So how hard was Super Sedan back in those days? Oh, mate, it was bloody tough. Uh, Super competitive, super competitive. Uh, But look, Great camaraderie amongst all all of those people. They were, you know, those guys were really at the top of their game when I joined Super Sedan. And look, I've always had a bit of a philosophy on life, you know. If you want to try and be the best at something, then you've got to mix it with the best. Mm. Um, And, you know, I wouldn't say I was ever intimidated by any of them, but I certainly held a couple of them in awe. Um, They they were great races, you know. I I built some great friendships um, with a lot of those guys, um, uh, particularly Shane Wind, uh, built his house for him. Um, you know, Colin, I have got a lot of time for still yep. follow, you know, follow what he's doing around the place. And Graham Kennedy, yeah, that uh, winning the state championship in 2002-03, that final was an epic final. I mean, mm. we'd been going head-to-head all year. He was leader of the points, then I was, and he was, and I was, and it went right through to the final meeting. Then went into the final meeting and... He was 10 point, uh, no, he was 20 points up from me. I needed him to go out early in eliminations and he went out with a 1-1,000 red light. Wow. And I needed to go through and win the semi-final to win the championships and that's exactly what happened. So, unbelievable. It is. And I mean, those names, I just pulled those names out of, they were basically championship winners before you, after you, and basically all around you, like second and thirds. And, and that was in the, the year preceding and the year before. So it, it's incredible. I, and the, I think back at, at those names and I think that, geez, that would have been tough. Even Brenton, like. Yeah, he was on his game. Yeah, he, he, they, they he were really all was. very good. Yeah. You know, like the be- my benchmark for a bad red light was 31 thousandths of a second. That if I cut anything over that, that I'd consider I hadn't done my job as a driver. Yeah. And with the, you know, the, the dial-in reaction packages, oh, you know, they were getting down into tenths of second, tenths, you know, ten one thousandths of a second. So mm. they, they were very competitive. But as I say, um, great guys, you know, and I think that great competitiveness made us all you know, sharper on the day. Yeah, no, certainly. I, I, I agree with that 100%. Moving on a bit, I want to talk about that amazing car you bought in from the US um, a few years ago now. I, I ne- actually never forget the first time I saw that at Pro Auto and it, it stuck with me. And talk us through the process of getting that car over. That was a Jerry Hass car? Jerry Bickle. 
Bickle, sorry, Bickle. Bickle. Yeah, Bickle well, car. So tell us a bit about getting that over. Well, how it started was, oh, yeah, all drag races. I wasn't happy doing, you know, 820s in the Tirana anymore. I wanted to go quicker. So I was looking at putting a huge motor into it and um, I was looking at some Steve Schmidt competition engines and the more I thought about it and a bit of advice from Pop from OK Cylinder Heads who was building my motors was, it's probably not the thing to do, Greg. Um, so, yeah, I started sniffing around and came across uh, a car that Jerry had for sale. He just built it on spec. It was a mm. 2010 uh, Cobalt, Cobalt Top Sportsman roller. Um, so I got a hold of Jerry um, and got on like a house fire. He was just such a gentleman to deal with, and I knew his reputation for building good drag cars. Um, so, yeah, I did a deal with him, bought the car, um, then had a few chats with Steve Schmidt. Again, another great guy to deal with. Uh, he built a 667 cubic inch competition motor, sent it to Jerry, and then put that together with a Reed two-speed. Um, Jerry set the whole car up, got my weight, set everything up in the car and um, put it in a container and shipped it to Perth. Yeah, okay. Um, and I'll tell you how good it was. We unloaded it out of the container. It hadn't been out of the container for more than 30 minutes. We had it fired up. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember I remember you were, you were telling us that. And the car was literally turnkey, wasn't it? It, yep, was, uh, it, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, you know, there's a lot of trust in that. It was all done over the internet and phone calls. You know, mm. some, you know, would-be drag racer from little old Western Australia dealing with these big guys in America. Yeah. Um, but it was a sweet deal and, you know, it was an awesome car when it was when it arrived. Yeah. So I just want to talk through that then. So it's 2010, you, you've licensed, you went 739 licensing from, from memory. I haven't got that written down, but at the opening meet, you're looking at the track record and national record in, in some qualifying passes. So you go seven one six seven one four in on the Friday night, I think. And then on the Saturday, you go seven zero zero nine at 198 mile an hour. This is basically the car's first competition outing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, well, I knew it was a, a good car and Jerry told me what it was built to run. You know, the car, in the States with the same setups for running 680, 685s. Um, I certainly didn't want to go that straight away after, you know, running a car that had only ever run eight seconds before. before. Um, but yeah, that was, yeah, almost indescribable experience. The adrenaline yeah. rush launching one of those things off the line is, there, there is nothing like it. Yeah. I think there's a YouTube video still floating about from, um, the guy that used to do your cameras, I can't remember his name now. Dave. Yeah, Pommy, Pommy Mike. Yeah, it's a drunk Pom production. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, if you, I think if you go to YouTube and uh, put in Pro Auto Cobalt, it'll come up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, check that out. It, it is amazing. I just want to jump then forward to, to March of uh, 2011, so Western Nationals. Now, this is all in my mind, but maybe maybe it wasn't as big as what I thought it was. Our co-host, who wasn't able to make it tonight, he was uh, debuting his door slammer in Super Sedan as well. And he was going up, he made no secret of it, he was going after ET a mile an hour record as well. This was, so this is March 2011, and you're doing the same thing, basically. Um, 
you walked away with the record and, and uh, I don't believe Simon didn't go quicker than you at that event. So is that, was that build up of that, that event just in my mind or was that, was that a real? Uh, it was real, Nick. <laughs> it was real. Uh, yeah. Look, when, when the car, I, I saw it on the, um, on the entry list and, you know, then I saw the car down there and I'm think, thinking, what the heck have we got here? And, yeah, here I don't. You know, I was going for the national record, and all of a sudden, I got this door slammer up against me. I thought I was, I thought I was shot, to be honest with you. But I also knew, you know, the trick about drag racing isn't about how much power you've got; it's about how much power you can get to the yep. tyres and get down, you know, and stick it to the track. So, yeah, I was fortunate enough to, uh, you know, to set both ends of the national record and and top qualified. So, yeah, yep. that's. You know, I look back on that as, you know, one of the, um, you know, highlights of my, not only drag racing career, uh, career but, but a, a highlight of my life to, you know, at one stage be the best at something in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah, no, I certainly remember. I know Simon beached it actually in qualifying. And I said, oh, this isn't good. And I was in the tow vehicle on the way back and you were going down the track. And I think you went six, nine something on that pass. And I was actually at the the finish line when you were going through. And I said, I looked up at the, uh, looked up at the sign. I saw six, nine. I said, oh, geez, that's not good. Because we had hours of vacuuming to do still. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't to be. But, I, yeah, look, I do remember the build up to that. And it was quite, and I think, yeah, I look back at that with such fond memories as well. Like, if we could get Super Sedan, not the main game, but like people coming to the stands watching Super Sedan, I think it was a great thing, to be honest. Oh, mate, and it was tough with those big horsepower cars then. Without a top sportsman, you know, there was no burnouts over the start line. Mm. So yeah. you're pushing the other side of, you know, in, in the Cobalt, for instance, 1,400-odd horsepower and having to pull up before the line and have nothing forward of the line to stick to. <laughs> yeah, that made it a little bit hairy. I bet, I bet. <laughs> Greg, one of the things I talk about with a lot of our drag racers that come on is branding. We spoke with Jason Hedges oh, late last year about branding. He's Deco Glass. Well, he doesn't own it anymore. But I wanted to talk about branding with you. Like the Home Buyer Centre and Pro Auto, um, they identify th- those those brands are really identifiable to your cars. In your mind, is you know, are there deliverable, tangible benefits for those that use brand, put branding on their cars? Oh, no question at all, Nick. No question at all. Um, you know, it's one thing to see, you know, a nice car going down the track, but, and, and you do tend to build a bit of a fan base, particularly if you've got a car that's well, not so much unique, but, you know, pristine and, and well presented and, and race professionally. Then to have a brand name associated with that. Uh, yeah, certainly does does very well for the brand, and I know. Well, from you know, from the home buyer centre point of view, <clears throat> we built quite a number of um, homes for drag racers mm. and drag racing fans and drag racing crew members as a result of them, you know, knowing that um, you know home buyer centre was was associated with this car. Yeah, yeah, and then and then you know when we transitioned to uh, you know pro auto performance, uh, again that was a bit of a boost for that business as well. And getting you know it was a new business um, coming to the in, into the field when there was you know a lot of competition back in those days in the performance field. 
Um, and yeah, that, that gave us a bit of a kickstart as well. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Greg, I want to talk a bit, a bit about your, a bit about your professional life. Um, you were heavily involved with one of WA's leading building companies, and you dealt with all the managing directors and CEOs in terms of builders and the building industry. So your lens on the business world really is is different to those that have been traditionally involved in the sport. I just want to go back to that first night at the Motorplex. Can you tell us how? I mean, you were the, the focal point in the, the how Western Australia Super Street Super Sedan and Modified Association. Can you tell us how that all came about that night? Yeah, it was, was an interesting, if not frustrating night. Um, you know, it was the opening meeting of the Motorplex. Um, they obviously, you know, had, had a lot on their plate. I don't think things were going particularly well for them from a timing perspective with a few issues that they'd had, um, which resulted in um, Super Street and Super Sedan sitting in the staging lanes for literally hours and hours with, and we couldn't, we couldn't get any answers through the stewards. There was really poor communication. Um, we were sitting there and, you know, other brackets would run and group two, two brackets would run and, um, and, and we were still sitting there. There were actually drivers asleep in the car. Mm. And, and the frustration built up amongst the drivers. Again, I think, you know, communication is just such an important thing in life. And there was, well, there was no communication. I couldn't even say yeah. poor communication as to what was going on. And as a result, a few of the drivers started talking in the pits about what we were going to do. And um, we decided to withdraw from the event. Um, yeah. and you know drove all the cars back into the pits which I think in the end was a bit of a blessing for the motorplex because it had enabled them to finish the meeting <laughs> um, that frustration then got to a few people and uh, we were angry and all the rest of it and I, I don't know I, I took a bit of a lead role and we decided well let's maybe we should form some sort of association to get a voice for group three and mm. um, organise the meeting, I think, at um, Market City Tavern. Yeah, Market um, City Tavern. And as a result of that, um, yeah, Wasmid Drag Racing was born really out of, out of that first event at the Motorplex. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great association, and I mean, it's morphed into something uh, different now, nowadays. But I, yeah, I have fond memories back back in those days, and um, I think what you did back then was really probably won't see that again. And um, it was great to be part of it, to be honest. It really was. Yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you an interesting couple of interesting stories about what happened that a lot of people probably wouldn't know. Is um, <clears throat> After the meeting, I shot an email off to Peter Pike, <clears throat> a very barbed email. And it's pro I've probably learned a lot <clears throat> since then about not sending emails when you're angry. <clears throat> anyway, I shot a barb off to Peter um, and he came back to me, um, you know, very well-mannered. And from what was a very rocky start, ended up being a wonderful relationship between Peter and myself. We really um, respected each other highly. Um, and not long after that, and wasn't it only been going a short time, I got a call from Gary Mozovich who wanted me to come down to the Motorplex and have a chat to him about this association that had been formed. And you know, I went and had a chat with him and Peter and uh, he was concerned that we were forming a drag racing union. 
And I said to him, well, no, it's not that. I, I, you know, Westside existed at that stage, um, but it wasn't primarily focused on Group 3. Hmm. Um, and, you know, really what I said to Gary and Peter is, look, now this is a voice for Group 3 races. What it will enable you to do and, and the Group 3 races to do is have very easy communication. If you want to get communication out to Group 3 races, you don't have to talk to... 150 people there's just yeah. one place you can come to which will represent that group and yeah so yeah. uh yeah it was all good from then on yeah yeah no that is a great story and and peter bike a great great man as well and uh we wish him well whatever peter's up to these days so moving on from there you you formed basic well that in those early part of the um Wasma Association, you also formed Pro Auto. You started Pro Auto Service Centre in Canningvale. Um, what was it like at the time running a business like that and also working for one of WA's, well, they were WA's biggest building company? Um, look, honestly, I was very fortunate to have wonderful people at Home Buyers and mm. wonderful people at Pro Auto. Um, um, you know, I'm a good organiser and good manager and a lateral thinker and, you know, quite logical about the way I go about things. Um, it was a handful because, yeah. um, you know, there was you know, those two businesses and Wasmer at the same time, which you know, actually took a, a lot of time, particularly getting it up and running and mm. organising things and, and, you know, all of the competitions and, and other stuff that we ran. But, no, look, I, I like being busy. Um, and, you know, I, I, I thought that, you know, when I started Pro Auto, um, that I could bring something different, um, to, to that industry. Um, and and that's how I went about the business of Pro Auto. And, you know, when I thought about it, you know, so people ask me, why did you start it? And I'm going, well, because I wanted something to do when I retire. Mm. I didn't want to get to 60, 65 and go and play golf and buy a caravan. Yeah. Um, and my passion was cars, so, you know, so I'll just start this up and, and uh, have it running in the background, which is pretty much what I did. But my view was I didn't want to be like everybody else. Uh, mm. I wanted to be different. Um, and so I brought a lot of things that I learned in the home building industry into the car service and performance industry, such as, you know, a comprehensive showroom. Yeah. Um, you know, dinos in those days were secret squirrel. Anyone who had a dino uh, was down the back and it was secret and you couldn't go there and you <laughs> couldn't see what was going on. And I did the opposite, you know. You know, I, I built it off the showroom with a massive glass display wall and, and, and TV screens so you could see all of the stats on the, you know, that were coming off the dino live. Um, and, and the same with cars. I thought, well... I'll use the display home managers with cars. I'll, I'll build rolling display homes. In other words, you know, put all of these vehicle enhancements, mm. suspensions and exhausts and superchargers on, on the cars, um, and then people can come out and experience it for real. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I'm different. You know, we're, we are extremely customer-focused business. Mm. Um, you know, you know, most of the guys that are still um, in the performance industry in Perth came up through that. 
You know, that's they, they came up being mechanics and came up through through that field where, you know, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, cars was a hobby and, you know, my prof- my business was about being a professional manager. So, um, yeah, it, it brought a different way of looking at things and I, I, I still believe that, you know, the, the way that we do it, that it gives the customer the best experience they can possibly have. And, yeah. and you know, and business is all about customer service and, re- and repeat customers. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Greg, talking of then Pro Auto, I mean, your your love affair, I'll call it, with the GM brand has always been evident in your, in your race cars and your road cars as well. Um, they're always a great example of top-end general motor products. But um, these days, you had to shift to follow the market. So tell us what was involved in moving over to that more of an SUV or four-wheel drive and Mustang-based performance market. Yeah, look, as I said earlier, when I joined Pro Auto full-time mm. in uh, 2017, it was obvious uh, the business had been very successful in, you know, in the GM enhancement area. It was obvious that that wasn't going to be continuing for very much longer. So I just took an objective look at the market, you know, at what were the top selling cars? Um, you know, and the top selling vehicle at the time, I think was a Toyota Hilux and the top selling sports car in Australia was a Ford Mustang. Yep. So I thought, well, you know, that's where I'm going to go. Um, that's where the business is at. And so, yeah, we bought ourselves a Hilux and, you know, did a few modifications to it and mm-hmm. bought myself a 2017 Mustang GT and, you know, and, and then used that car as a demonstrator car. You know, we started with that car dead stock, put it on the dyno, took it down the track, ran a quarter mile, got the statistics, then did some, you know, low-end performance enhancements, did the same, then did some mid-end or mid-range enhancements, um, you know, got the same data and then finally took it, you know, to, you know, what I classify as a pretty tough street car that ran uh, 1094 at uh, 131 mile an hour. Again, that way, you know, what we were selling people at Pro Auto in terms of what performance they could expect from their Mustangs, we'd proven on the dyno and on the track and had the data to back it up. So, you know, that just gave people confidence to go, yeah, I'll have that supercharger and yeah, I'll take this and I'll take that because I know what I'm going to get from the money. Mm, Yeah. Okay. No, it's really interesting. And we've seen a lot of performance shops have to morph into like a different field uh, with the, with the closure of Holden. So, and it's great to see that um, as you were saying before, you're probably the busiest you've ever been. So that's, that's really great news. Greg, I want to ask you, it's a really open-ended question. It's, but this is, I mean, you're the guy to ask this question. (laughs) So I know you go to the track quite regularly with the Mustang on Wednesday nights and you're there. I see you as a spectator as well for the big, the uh, national opens. Um, You still remain very connected to the sport. So we need to ask where and what and where does the sport of drag racing need to go in general to survive in 2021 and beyond? Well, yeah, I I don't have the magic answer for that one. Um, But Look, from day one as a drag racer, I had a different view of what drag racing was all about 
than most of the drag races. Yeah. And that was evident at some WASMA meetings where people would get fired up about this and that, and you know, and this isn't good enough and that isn't good enough. And my view was, hey, look, we should be grateful for the track that we have and the way that it's managed and the way that it's run. Um, and so I think you need to look at drag racing through the eyes of the spectators. Mm. If, you, if you want an answer to, you know, what's going to give drag racing the greatest success, it's going to be the spectator experience. Yeah. Now, you know, drag racing is an awesome spectator experience. And I think people that go there for the first time are just blown away, had no idea of, you know, of the quality of entertainment there is. Mm. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's promoting what they've got um, along with a bit of sugar and spice, if you like. I think, you know, what Graham Cowan's done with the Nitro Funny Cars, uh, you know, that packs a meeting out. That tells you something, you know, yep. about where success lies. I think the Outlaw Radio Series is another one that's, um, you know, really exciting to watch. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think the downside for drag racing is downtime. Is is you know when when there's nothing on the track, mm. that's when people start to question. I think about you know how long are they going to stay there. So yeah. I don't know. You know, I, I think a bit more hype. You know, I know they have the bikes and that going up and down the the track. Um, you know, the return road when there's you know all down or there's been a crash or something. Maybe, maybe there's something to do more. You know, they've got an awesome big screen. Yeah. Uh, Ray has been working, you know, tirelessly in this off-season and redone all of the PA system and a whole lot of other things. You know, maybe there's something they can do with the big screen in, in terms of, you know, you know, some really hot bands playing some rock and stuff mm. while there's, you know, while, yeah. while there's nothing going on on the track and you know, some replays and some exciting races and stuff like that. But, yeah, mate, it's, it's all about keeping the spectators entertained is yeah. going to be the secret to the success of, of the sport. Yeah, yeah. And I think also just, I mean, also big ticket or the big, the big show, what I like to call it, Top Fuel, um, uh, Pro Slammer, top door slammer whatever you want to call it these days having that as a feature as well i think certainly assists we've seen we saw phil amatina and peter zyberus come here earlier in the year and the place was packed out same with the nitro um outlaw funny cars i know that was a bit difficult this year with the bushfires but still there was well uh, patronized with the crowd uh even with just the two cars so I, I i certainly agree i think you know there's there's a great future there it's just we've just got to get the mix right i think yeah, yeah, it is. Look, I know that can't be done for all the events, but just the way the Nitro guys set up in the pits, you know, it's very, you know, that sort of semicircular mm. uh, way they set up. You know, it, uh, you know, if you look at that and you go, what's that all about? It's, it's about crowd interaction. And that's yeah. what, what I say. It's if you get the spectators engrossed in it, they'll come back. You know, it's, it's not only what they can watch from the hill, but what can they get out of going down to the pitch? You know, it's, in general terms, I think, you know, it can be quite intimidating getting anywhere near some of the top fuel uh, teams and, and even some of the top door slammer teams. Mm, you know, they're all yeah. fenced off and all, all the rest of it. It is what it is, but I just go, well, if you want to see what draws the most crowd interaction, it's the Nitro funny cars and how they set themselves up. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, 100%. Hey, Greg, look, um, Pro Auto, where can, where can we find Pro Auto? www.proauto.com.au, is that correct? Yeah, that's the one, mate, yeah. And, no yeah, very different website to all of uh, my competitors. <laughs> it is. I checked it out. Uh, I'd like to do a bit of research. So, yeah, head to Bro Auto. Uh, also, Facebook page as well. I know you do a lot of Facebook stuff as well. I'm, I'm always following that. So, that's let's get, get on over to Pro Auto on Facebook as well. Do you have Instagram? I didn't check that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got all that. Yeah, I've got a... Uh, the, the girl who runs my marketing showroom bookings... Is a girl named Kia Bacon, and she knows more about cars than most blokes will ever know. Uh, but she's also a bit of a wizard marketing. So yeah, so yeah, she feeds all my Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, up with the interesting bits and pieces. Kia's very good. I've seen I've seen some of her work. So yeah, shout out to Kia. She's very good. Hey, Greg, look, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. It's been great. Uh, we've really enjoyed that. And it was great to catch up with you. And, um, yeah, really appreciate you coming on. No worries, buddy. I'll uh, look forward to catching up with you at a car show. Or I just got a bit of a feeling that we might get a bit of a drag racing season on this, uh, this October. So I might see you down on the track. You will. You'll definitely see me there. Don't worry about that. <laughs> okay, buddy. Okay, Greg, thanks for that. Take care. Okay, thanks, Nick. Bye, see the Auto One Customer Loyalty Program, the Auto One Club, has been designed to provide privileges to loyal customers. Head on over to www.autoone.com.au and click on the Club Membership tab or alternatively head into your local Auto One store and ask about the benefits that come with being a loyal Auto One Club member. While you're in the store, be sure to check out Auto One's extensive range of impact automotive garage tools floor mats and coolant. The Impact Automotive range offers quality products at affordable prices. From a three-ton heavy-duty trolley jack to an adjustable mechanic seat, the Impact Automotive range has a garage tool that'll suit your needs. The range has also well over 20 different types of floor and boot mats to suit your ride. They come in rubber or fabric with a PVC backing to stop slipping. Also in the range is an extensive choice of coolant. Whether it be pre-mixed or concentrate, the long life range of red and green Impact Automotive coolant is bound to have a product that suits your needs. To view the full range of Impact Automotive products, head on over to www.auto1.com.au or visit one of their stores. Auto One is committed to bringing you the brands you know and trust at great prices. Coupled with their team's knowledge and experience, Auto One, it's the one. Okay, welcome back to Talking Power Podcast, episode 90. I'm here with Todd Brinkworth and I'm Nick DeChimbery. Hey, um, just to finish off, Todd, Targa Southwest, only a few weeks to go. Something we should look out for, any any surprise entries? I've been looking, keeping an eye out. The Targa West uh, Facebook page updates every day with a new entry. So anyone special there that you noticed that has um... entered? Tell you the truth, not really this year. Um, I'm just impressed in actually that a few people are actually going to make it out because, mm. you know, we've all had a pretty hard year. Yeah. Um, I'm more, there's actually a few people not going, which is a bit of a, well, I'm not surprised really, but it should be a good event. Um, again, it's evolving day by day. Like we're all allowed to go down there and have a, a watch. Um, but there's no traditional Sunday 
this year. Mm. Yep. And there's no traditional um, dinner on the Saturday night, as far as I'm aware. Mm-hmm. But no, it should be a good weekend. The only thing is, being later in the year, it will be bloody cold. Like, and I cannot stress that enough. Um, if you are heading down for a look, there's not many hotel rooms left <laughs> down there, and bring a jumper. So, <laughs> yeah. I've got my thermals ready, Todd, so don't worry. I'm all good. Oh, yeah. and um, But, no, it should be good. I'm looking forward to it. We've got a few things planned down there to bring you the action and talk about it, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it should be a good good day out, basically. Nice day out. A nice day out. Nice day out. It'll be, so, it'll be a long day for me. I'm going to head down that morning, actually. And so I'm going to be oh. leaving here at the, not even the crack of dawn, like hours before the crack of dawn, just to be in Pemby by the crack of dawn. And so get 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 ourselves ready. And then I'll head back that night. So it's a big day for me, but that's okay. That's, that's what we do. That's what we do. I'm sure I'm not alone, actually. I'm sure I'm not alone. Yeah, I did that last year. And I, I said, never again. <laughs> no, so, well. anyway... <laughs> Never again. <laughs> yeah. I um, just want to shout out to James Feeney, uh, also known as the Birdman. Had a very, very bad crash this this weekend. Uh, he's a no prep racer in the US. Uh, a lot of people that watch Street Outlaws will be familiar with him, and he's also no prep winner on, on numerous occasions. Uh, we wish him well for a speedy recovery. It was quite a quite a, a bad accident actually, and. Um, we wish you more the best. Um, once again, we're really happy to have Auto One on board. Um, you can see you go on the run-in to win a $50 gift card if you like, share, and comment the official post on Facebook for this podcast, episode 90. We only put out one post when we when we release a podcast on Facebook, only one, so... If you like, share, and comment, you've got to do all three of those things. You go on the run-in, you'll get a $50 gift card from Auto1 to spend on all the good stuff, Todd. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> I have some really good stuff in there. And um, like I said, I was um, in there this week a bit, actually. So my local Auto1 in, in Belcata. Who's your local Auto1, Todd? I'm the same. I'm Belcata because I'm only a, a stone's throw. So, Yeah. yeah. Well, they service us really well out here. I mean, and Belcata is a very competitive area for auto parts, but those guys there at Auto One in Belcata have been there for a long, long, long time. Long time. They have been there a long time. In fact, I think I bought parts for my Datsun back when I was 19 from the guys <laughs> Auto One. There you and go. that was a, we'll just say a long time ago. So <laughs> it was when the Datsun was brand new. <laughs> It still it was under warranty. Not, not quite, but you know. It was under warranty. <laughs> yeah. It had its first motor in there, you know. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway. But yeah, they've been around. Those guys have been around a long time. And I walk in there and honestly, I walk in there and I say, flange gasket XW221. Trevor walks out the back. He doesn't even go on the computer. Walks out the back, comes back with a flange gasket. That you is, know, if, if, yeah. you, just, you, can't, you can't get that experience anywhere else these days. So. Nah. Anyway. Get on over to um, like, share, comment. Also, head to their website. Uh, they are now doing online ordering as well. Auto One, so head on over. Oh, there. Excellent. Okay. Um, 
Well, that's it. And uh, look, with just one more shout out, we'd like to thank all fast talk converters, benzene detailing, Sylvan Australia for the lucky for the winner of their prize pool, subscriber prize pool. That worked out really well. We had a number of subscribers come on board, so we really appreciate that. And congratulations to Robert Harvey of Monster Talk for winning the, um, the winning the prizes. So it was it was great to catch up with Rob uh, last week. All right, Todd. Well, look, thanks for joining us again. Uh, it was great to see you. And um, no doubt we will be chatting very soon. And uh, we'll yep. be catching up and talking all things Targer in the coming coming weeks. Yeah, that's right. All right, Todd. Thanks for joining right. us. Take no care. Worries. See you. See ya. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.